Hello and welcome to the Word of Life Church Podcast. We're delighted you've chosen to spend some time with us today. We believe that today's message has the power to inspire and elevate your faith journey. Before we dive in, we'd like to express our heartfelt thanks to our partners. Your generous contributions make it possible for us to continue spreading the gospel, serving our community, and carrying out our ministry. If today's episode moves you and you'd like to be a part of our mission, we'd invite you to become a partner. Your support has an everlasting impact and allows us to reach even more souls. Now, let's turn our hearts and our minds to the Word as we begin today's episode. Uh, during our night sessions, I just, I want to do something simple and then I just want to make room for the spirit. Like I, I'm not here to make this about me. Uh, I'm here to help you um, be filled with um, God's spirit in a fresh and a new way. And I, I really do believe I have a prophetic word, um, if you'll allow me the liberty to say that. And for the next three nights, I just kind of want to major on that and and take my time with it and not go long because I have three nights. And I know some of you and your teams can't make it all the way till Thursday. I get that. The sessions will be recorded and we'll send them to you and those kinds of things because it is uh, three points, one for each night. So at our prayer conference in January, we had Jen in and I really see Jen as a prophet. And one of the things that I wanted to do in the prayer conference was I believe in honor. I know it's kind of a lost art today, uh, but I believe in honor. And one of the things that scripture teaches us is if you honor a prophet in the name of a prophet, you get a prophet's reward. How you honor someone and something matters. And we'll talk more about this in the night sessions. But this is why, especially for your pastors, you can't just see them after the flesh. You have to see them after the spirit. Because if you just see them after the flesh, like Jesus was seen after the flesh in his own hometown, you will limit what comes out of them. But if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you'll get a prophet's reward. And this has been, we know, submission and authority, honor, all those things. You know, there's a place for it. And then there have been abuses, just like there is with everything. Like Brother Hagin said, it's hard to stay in the middle of the road. But I think we've, we've lost some of the art of honor and we've limited what can come out of each other. Because we're looking after who they are in the flesh and not who they are by the spirit. Paul said, I magnify my office. There are things I can do in my office that I can't do anywhere else. Um, when I go into my church, I have an office and at that office, I've got books, materials and things that when I get in that office, I can do work there that I can't do in other places. And you have to see your office and you have to see your pastor's office. And that can be hard when we joke around a lot and that type of thing. And, you know, not everybody, if you're a pastor, has to be your buddy, uh, which is a whole nother message. Um, But but out of that, um, we've got to be careful with that. Um, Because if you can receive someone with the office and see them by the spirit that they stand in, in certain meetings and things, you can get more out of them. And so I kind of wanted to to wet the pump, if you will, with the the church of like, Jen operates in the prophetic. You know, if you'll make a demand on that, it'll pull some things out of her that you wouldn't get out of her otherwise. And man, I tell you, they did and she did. 
and I, I guess you could say the Lord did. Like we saw a measure, and we'll talk about this as the series goes, a measure of that office. Um, because even for, for most of us, we've never stood in the fullness of our offices. And this is a big part of what I feel prophetically the Lord wants to do uh, by the end of these night sessions is that we stand fully in the office God has given us. That we magnify it. Not ourselves, but you magnify the office. You magnify the place. You magnify the anointing that God has given you. And you operate it, whether it's as a teacher, a worship leader, a pastor, a prophet, an apostle, whatever it may be. And one of the things that she said um, is that year, for this year, that the word that the Lord gave her was the word emerge. And she said many things that were prophetic, and honestly, that was one that didn't strike a chord. Have you ever had that happen before? It's like, you know it was God, but at the same time, like some things that just in the service, they just strike a chord deep in you. And for me, I wrote that down, but it wasn't one of those things. But I'll tell you what, as the year has gone forward, that word emerge has stood out to me. In just some ways that have been of the Lord. And when I say emerge, I don't just mean it on your ministries and on your places. Although that's part of it. I mean it on your callings. That who you are on the inside, your high calling, Paul would put it. That emerges in your churches, emerges in your pulpits, emerges in your lives of the fullness of God in you emerging. She said this word emerge means a couple of things. I'll put it on the screens if you'd like to take notes. To become prominent. Before it was hidden, now it's prominent. Uh, For some of you, I I feel like your ministries, you almost feel like it's been hidden. People haven't seen it. And you've even advertised, but people haven't seen it. Well, how many of you know, sometimes the reason why people don't see things is not because it's hidden in the natural, but the God of this world has blinded their eyes. That it was hidden... But what was hidden is going to emerge and become prominent. But also, not just ministries, that which is in you, which up till now has been hidden, that you only operated in from time. There are moments in a service where I can feel a fuller, a fuller version of me. And then other times, it's like that version of me is hidden. Does that bear witness with anybody? Like, maybe even for for some of you who just in worship or in some things, it's like sometimes it's just there. And it's like a fuller version of you. And then it's gone. You, You see a glimpse of it, and then it's not there anymore. That that which is hidden 
is about to become prominent. That that version of you, of who you know you could be, is about to become prominent. It's not going to be hidden anymore. Amen. Everybody say emerge. emerge. Tell yourself emerge. emerge. Amen. That which was hidden, it also means that which was hidden to step into the light. To step into the light that's not, now it's being seen. Um, <laughs> funny story, years ago, me and my wife, my wife wasn't feeling her best. And so we stayed up and we just talked and there was a storm and the power went out. This is a true story. Power went out. And it was just one of those things where we just stayed up and talking because she couldn't go to sleep. She wasn't feeling well. And, and so we're, we're walking there in front of um, uh, our, our little window and we're going to bed and we just turn and we're facing each other where I'm facing this way. My wife's facing this way and we're in front of a big mirror. It's pitch black, pitch black, but a storm's raging outside, power's out. And I kid you not, we're talking and a lightning bolt flashes and lights up the whole house because we're right in front of a mirror. And behind my wife is this being with its hair in front of it. I kid you, I kid you not, with its hair in front of it, just looking down. I screamed bloody murder. Like I screamed like we are about to die. Like I have just seen the worst thing I have ever seen in my life. Like, I mean, like horror scream. When I scream, my wife screams at the top of her lungs because she can see the sheer panic on me. Then when she screams, what is behind her screams? And finally, there's another lightning flash, and I see it's my daughter. The storm had woken her up. And I'm like, how long were you there before you said, why didn't you say anything? And my daughter's like the most respectful person on the planet. And she's like, I saw y'all talking, and I did not want to interrupt you. I'm like, interrupt me, please, next time. Like, I just saw my life flash before my eyes. So that which is hidden, stepping into the light. Like, and there are moments where in and of yourself, you have seen flashes of your potential. And I'm not talking about like release your potential. I'm talking about like the hidden man of the heart. The hidden woman of the heart. Now, let the Spirit of the Lord talk to you while we're talking about this, because like I said, this is prophetic. The hidden woman of the heart. Let it not be about the outward woman. Let it not be about the outward man. There's a you in you that you've seen flashes of, but has not fully stepped into the light. Emerge to step into the light, that which was hidden to step into the light, to recover fully from a difficult and or demanding, demanding situation. And that's, that's what I saw in that vision. And I don't want to embarrass people, but I literally saw some of you. I can remember being called out in certain meetings when I was going through a difficult time. And um, I, I would think like, ah, oh, I didn't need that necessarily in that moment. But I appreciated the Spirit of the Lord, you know, seeing me. But like I've seen some of you literally, like the Good Samaritan, just be beat up by people. And some of you have just been handled very roughly, even by staff, if I may say. And almost left half dead. 
And this, this last season has not been an easy season for you. But it is time to emerge and to fully recover from a difficult situation and a difficult time. Amen. And lastly, she said, to break out. Um, to just break out into a place of prominence. Well, with all of those things, when, when the more this is built into my heart, the more I've been thinking of, of stories in scriptures where people emerged. And you see it, a lot of times people came out of nowhere. Uh, David completely left, left out in a field, forgotten about. But then emerging. The prophet sees him by the Spirit and, and calls him out. And the, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him and he emerges. Uh, the same thing happened with the guy who came before him. Like out of nowhere, it's like there's Saul. Or, or you got a hero in a wine press in Gideon. A warrior in a wine press, not even seeing his full potential. And then all of a sudden, somebody that the world had no recognition of, and he didn't want any. He was scared. He was scared to emerge. And some of you, even in the fullness of who God's called you to be, you're scared to take your church there. Because you're more mindful of pleasing people than you are pleasing the Lord. And you think if you emerge fully, they wouldn't like you. And what you're not seeing is if you emerge fully, you'd be way more effective. And, and out of that, you see examples of this. Of You see a warrior in a wine press hiding, scared to emerge. But it was time for it. So there's all these examples of people who just emerged. But I can think of none greater than our Lord. And you got Jesus walking on the earth for 30 years. And all people knew him as was a carpenter. And then in a moment, he's emerging in the fullness of his office. And the reason why I'm picking him and feel led to pick him is because when he did emerge, he walked in the fullness. And there were other people who emerged but never got to the heights of what God called them to. And if they did, they didn't stay there. But Jesus did. And we need to look at his story because the way he emerged is the same way you're going to. Uh, so Jesus, let's look at his emergence in the book of Luke. Let's go over there and look at it together. Luke chapter 3. Well, Luke 4, and then we'll go to Luke 3. I like y'all. I like preaching to pastors. Honestly, the joy of my life is this right here. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Um, my father was a pastor. My uncle was a pastor. I've been a pastor since I was 18. It's all I know. And so between their stories and my own, um, it's what I want to do is help you. And that's why I like doing it for free. And thank God for a church that covers everything where I can. Amen. Luke 4. And let's look at verse number 14. And Jesus returned in Galilee, watch this, in the power of the Spirit. 
And news about him spread through all the surrounding district. And he began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. Now, you know the story. Right after this, he goes into his own hometown. And we're going to look at this later, especially on night three. But notice, he steps out. And as soon as he steps out, light is on him. As soon as he steps out, that which was hidden is revealed. As soon as he steps out, the news about him is going all over. The praise about what he's doing is being talked about by everyone. It's like a ministry that went from zero to 60 in two two seconds. Just there. Just wasn't there, there. Fully. Uh, So much so, it shocked everybody who knew him. Now, wouldn't you like that? Wouldn't you like to just get up in a pulpit or get up, you know, at your church or whatever? And it's like, what has happened to them? Even churches that have been in a community for a while, just emerging where the community asks, what has happened to them? I hear that in my spirit. What has happened to them? Amen. They've emerged. But this didn't just happen by accident. Jesus had some things happen in his life. And there were some things that happened in his life that need to happen in mine because there's some things that I'm not walking in the fullness of who God created me to be. My congregation has never seen the real me. They've seen glimpses, but they've never seen the fullness. And I'm guessing yours hasn't either. But it's time. Because it's the end times. And so Jesus had some things happen in his ministry that need to happen in mine. Jesus had some things happen in his ministry that need to happen in yours. And the first one I want to look at and we'll close with tonight and we'll worship is Luke chapter 3. I didn't even get into the intro, but that's okay. Luke chapter 3. And look here in verse number 21. You know this story. This is the beginning of Jesus' emergence. Three things. The first one is, number one, now when all the people were baptized, Jesus was baptized. And while he was praying, watch this, while he was praying, while he was praying, heaven was opening. And the Holy Spirit was descending Upon him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came out of heaven, You are my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Sonship was enough. Is it enough for you? Is it enough for you? Or does success matter more to you than sonship? You care about the work. God cares about the worker. And for Jesus, he waited on the work until God told him to be a worker. Because for Jesus, being a son was enough. And in this posture of sonship, we see a couple of things. One, he's in the river, which is symbolic of the Spirit. Two, he's praying. Three, he's empowered by the Spirit. Four, he he hears the Father speaking. And five, he's receiving the Father's love and approval. And this is how, listen to me, this is how his emergence began. It began with him in the river, symbolic of the spirit. I'm in the spirit. 
anointed by the Spirit. The Spirit is meeting with me. It began with him in the Spirit. It began when he was praying. It began when he was empowered by the Spirit. It began when he was in a place where he could hear the Father speaking. And it began when he's receiving the Father's love and approval. And this is how it began. His emergence began in this place. And your emergence is going to be in this place too. Um, we see in the book of Joshua, the Lord spoke unto Joshua and the children of Israel. He said, consecrate yourselves today for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things for you. You remember the Lord saying that? Consecrate yourselves today for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things for you. And you know what? I've always been in a position where I would get this in reverse. I want to do amazing things for God. And we have visions and dreams of doing amazing things for God. And we get it backwards. See, we want to be used by God. You'll go to conferences all the time. How many of you want to be used? Everybody raises their hand. I want to be used by God. I want to be used by God. User is a drug term. I don't want to be used. I want to be loved. And if he wants to use me through his love, he can. But to be loved is enough. Because when I'm a user, there's highs, there's lows, and there's withdrawal. And when you're being used by God, and that's all you're being is used by God, you're going to have some services where you have some highs. And out of that, it's going to feel good, and you're going to crave those things. And, and you're there, and you're craving the success of how it feels. more than the presence of the one who's causing the success. Not only when I'm a user are there highs, but there are some lows when I'm a user. How many of you have ever wanted to be used by God and after trying felt really bad about how it went? Because when you're a user and that's all you are, you base your success off of the feeling of what you were using at the time. And then you have withdrawal. If you go through a season where you're not being used. Oh. <laughs> and you found your identity in your ministry and not in him. For Jesus being loved was enough. Because the Bible tells us, consecrate yourselves. What, what is consecration? I belong to him. And let me tell you this, as pastors and those who work for a church, employed for a church, if there's one thing we must be, it's his. Not good. Not the best at our jobs, his. Because there are things that come from being his that you can't get through anything else. Consecrate yourselves, be his, be priest, separated unto God, holy, separated unto God. For the Lord will do amazing things for you. 
See, we want to do amazing things for God. And God is saying, I want to do amazing things for you. Your job is the consecration. My job is the amazing things. And the reason why we see amazing things come out of Jesus is because Jesus was consecrated. And from that place of consecration, the Lord placed his spirit on his life that spearheaded everything in his ministry. And the same thing is true for us. And I could tell you story after story in my own life of where I wanted to be used and I wanted success more than I wanted him. I wanted attendance more than I wanted him. I wanted anointing more than I wanted him. And I never said it. But you know how you can tell what you want for dinner? What you ask for. And you know how the Lord knows what you want, really? What you ask for. And when I'm asking more about attendance than I am his presence, and I'm encountering his word and asking more for a message than I am, show me what I need to see because I want to walk with you. And I get only in the river to get hyped up for the next message. then what is happening in my life is now I have ceased from grace. I have begun works and I'm just like the other's prodigal in the story that is saying, I am working for you and you are using me to get things done around this house. But I am not walking in any of the things you are freely giving to those who just came to you. That the other son, all he did was just Have the courage to be held, to be loved, to be kissed, to be empowered. And he's receiving more than the son who is focused on being used because he was working for what God wanted to give by grace. Um, There's a story that's just been big in my heart, one from the book of Judges, and the other one from John G. Lake's life. And Samson was, was awesome. If you've ever read the story of, of Samson, it's just amazing. And he had this moment where he was so mad uh, that, I mean, you read Samson's story, gosh, like they gave away his wife. It was it's a whole thing, whole thing. And he gets mad and he's like finds foxes and ties their tails together. You ought to read your Bible. I mean, somebody puts fire in between them and burns down fields. And the Philistines are like, we're going to kill him. And so they come and they're like, you know, give us Samson. And he's like, just bind me up. And they bind him up. And of course, he goes out there and he breaks through the binds. And he sees next to him is the jaw of a donkey. And I just want to show you this in the book of Judges real quick. Watch this. Judges, they'll throw it up on the screen. When he came there, the Philistines shouted and they met him and they said, the spirit of the Lord has come mightily upon him. Now watch this. The spirit of the Lord has come mightily upon him so that the ropes were on his arms and were as flax and it burned with fire and his bonds dropped from his hands. Watch this. He found a fresh jawbone of a donkey. So he reached out and he took it and he killed a thousand men with it. That's awesome. And Samson said, watch, watch his language and watch who is missing. With the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of a donkey, I have killed a thousand men. What's getting magnified? Samson and what? The jawbone. 
When he had finished speaking, he threw the jawbone from his hand. He named the place that place. When you look up that place, it means the big hill of jawbones. So apparently a lot of dead donkeys there. Um, And out of that, then he became very thirsty. And he called on the Lord and said, you have given this great deliverance by the hand of your servant. And now I shall die of thirst? Watch this. Do you see he's dying from the inside out? But God split the hollow place, a hero and a hollow place. That is in Lehi, water came out of it. When he drank, his strength returned and he revived. And I I couldn't help but to shake this. The Bible says he picked up a fresh jawbone. And tomorrow, in all the day sessions... You're going to come and you're going to get our freshest jawbones. Um, now, we've had heaps of brittle ones. Because when you go to war, you don't want a brittle jawbone. You want something that works when you swing it. Uh, and we've had our fair share of uh, brittle jawbones that when we slung it, it broke. And we're not going to give you those. We're only going to give you a fresh jawbone. Uh, because when you go to war, that's what you want. You want something fresh, you want something strong, and it can work. And so it's so funny, people, when they sign up for conferences like this, or they go and like find something that they think has been successful, and like, let's go learn from it. What we're looking for is the jawbone. What can I put in my hand that when I use this, or my staff uses it, or those types of things, it'll kill heaps upon heaps. Get us in the thousands, baby. And out of that, it's true, you don't want a brittle one. And so we're only going to give you the best strategies that we worked, and we're going to tell you the ones we worked that didn't work. We're going to give you our best jawbone. But out of that, if you think all we can do is get the latest and greatest, you will see jawbones get brittle real quick. And there is a whole stack of jawbones. I can remember when I took over our church, we had we got we we went to Rama and got the best jawbones. We had the usher coats and the pink pews. Come on, so anybody remember? We had pink pews. We had the usher coats. If Rama did it, we did it. We got our jawbones, and it worked for a season. And then pink went out of style, and uh, you know green usher coats did too. And we had to get a new jawbone. Because music's going to change, facilities are going to change, style's going to change, buildings are going to change, systems are going to change, software's going to change. You're not using emails, now you use Slack, you know. The jawbones will always get brittle. And if you pin your hope on a jawbone, I'm telling you, you are going to pin your hope on something that ultimately will fail you at some point, no matter how fresh it may be. But when he's at this place of his greatest victory, he's actually never been more hollow. And he is dying from the inside out. And he's a hero in a hollow place that's forgotten he's a human that needs a divine touch from God. Because everybody sees your hero. They see you on stage, they see you doing your thing, and you do good at showing it to them. You're like Naaman. I know how to put on armor and look good even with leprosy on my back that only my servants can see. And it's easy to be the hero. 
and forget you're a human. And that what makes us special is not our jawbones. What makes us special is that the spirit of the living God rests on us. And if he is on us, we can take a jawbone, we can sling it, and we can see thousands come to his name. But it is the spirit of the Lord, the water, the wellspring of water within you that never runs dry. That fuels you with the life you need to run your race and finish your course. Um, I went to, and I really am closing. Uh, and you know how it works as pastors. We can do this all night and just keep closing. Uh, so, but I went to a conference with um, Kenneth and Lynette Estrada, who are here. Uh, very good friends of mine, and so many of you are good friends of mine. I'm blessed to just have a lot of good friends. And out of this, I went to their church, and I sat down with um, some ministers who I've known for many years, and we, we got to talking, and I told them, I feel there's a part of me that has not been fully realized or walked in. And it's an angst to my soul because I know who I can be in him. Uh, He's shown me him. I've seen him. And so I I said, I I just sense a stirring uh, to become that. And I know there's a price to be paid to be that man. And I began talking to them about some of the prices that I feel like I needed to pay. And I asked them, do you feel compelled to pay those prices? Because a lot of that was basically everything. Like, everything. And out of that, it led to a very interesting conversation. And a lady by the name of Annie Durant, in her wisdom... She said, um, I want to send you something. And she sent it to me, and it's a letter John G. Lake wrote. Now, if you're not familiar with John G. Lake, um, this man was something by the spirit of the living God. I'm talking like dead rays, like put, put the disease in my hand and stick it under a microscope and see the life of God kill the disease. <laughs> that type of thing. And um, in this letter, he begins writing it to a pastor friend of his. And it begins with him kind of like Paul boasting uh, in what the Lord had done. Uh, the Lord's presence showed up here. And then he starts listing these healings that had happened in some meetings a few months before this. And it's, it's literally blowing my mind and convicting me all at the same time because I personally have never seen anything like that in my own ministry. And maybe you have in yours, but it's things that I, I long to see of like physical demonstrations of the goodness of God in a service live where other people can see it. Not like I got healed and, you know, when I got home, I come back, but like literally like things that just shook people to their core. 
And he's talking about this miraculous power that's been in operation in his ministry. And it's just driving me to, to spiritual envy of like, even if it doesn't come through me, Lord, like we got to see it in the earth again. Like we've got to in this last day and time, like if this is the end times, we've got to go out like the book of Acts came in with just signs, wonders, and miracles done by the name of Jesus. And so I'm reading all this and then I get to the point, I'm like, oh, that's why she sent me this. Um, And the spirit of God met with me. And so he writes this letter and he ends it with, with this. He's writing to this pastor, friend of his, who's a mentor. And he said, God wants to do something new in, con- in connection with my work. And I feel that for many of you, genuinely, that not only do you feel that, but the Holy Spirit wants to confirm that. That God wants to do something new in connection with you. God wants to do something new in connection with you and the work he's assigned you to. Something new in the work that's connected with you. And he writes, it is not clear to my soul yet what that is. Finances have been tight lately. He said, finances have been tight lately. There's not been the usual flow of financial help. Healings have not been so powerful for some three weeks. I like how that bothered him, that it had only been three weeks. Have not been so powerful for three weeks. My spirit is disturbed. And I recognize it as one of the stirrings that come to the soul previous to a change in character of the worker ministry. But but out of that, all types of things like something new. He said there's been a disturbance. I'll read it again. And if we can, Caitlin, um, I'll, I'll send you this. And if we can print it off and maybe get it to the pastors, even if we have to mail it to you, I'll mail you the whole letter. Um, and that kind of thing. He said, my spirit is disturbed. I recognize it as one of the stirrings that come to the soul previous to a change in the character of the work in ministry. I feel in need of your prayers. He said, beloved, he ends with this. You know that we can trust God to apply to the soul the discipline that is necessary. Listen to him. We can know that God will apply to the soul that discipline that is necessary for its subjection to God. And as I look back over the way God has led me, though it seems hard, I can see that every step of the way has been necessary for my soul's discipline. Not only that God's humility might reign in me, but that God's power might be made manifest through me. And then he signed it as John G. Lake. Well, this pastor friend of his said he got together with his church and he prayed over John and his ministry for three hours. And then he wrote him this letter. He corrected him. He says, my soul seems to sense a possible error you are making in reference to yourself and work. I'm like, I see you, Annie. I do not say 
I am correct at this point. But I have the soul sense that you have your eyes in the wrong direction. You say God wants to do something new in connection with my work. And I do not doubt that. But what is it? Is it enlargement, development, aggression, gifts, and dominion? It may be all these things or none of them. But one thing is true. That if your eyes get on these, somewhere you will fall. Well, I do not claim the wisdom for these words, yet I am quite sure of the correctness of them. (laughs) Thank God for people who will correct you. We need more of that. That no man can be used, watch this, that no man can be used as largely as you have indicated because he talked about all those miracles, and not be treading on the most dangerous ground. While it is true, the greater the conquest, enlargement, dominion, etc. may be intended by the Lord, one thing is absolutely necessary. If these victories are to be continued, it will be with a humility that is genuine, deep, and lasting. And then, then that change will be yours. You have learned that a man thus largely called must find grace in the depth of God or they will lose its stewardship and disgrace his name and the profession. I'll read that again. But you have learned that a man must thus largely, who's called, must find the grace and depth in God or lose his stewardship and disgrace his name and profession. You remember Samson? What was Samson's motto? I'll just shake myself and the anointing will be there. I'll wake up, it's Sunday, I'll preach, the anointing will be there. I'll get up on stage and sing, the anointing will be there. I'll just shake myself and the anointing will be there. But it wasn't found that way. Where's the anointing found? It's found in the river. It's found in a place where you're being loved by God. It's found when you're praying and heaven's open above you. That's where the anointing is found. It's found when you're hearing the Lord speak to you and the Father, you're in a place in the river where the Father is speaking to you and you know what he's saying and you're at rest and it's enough for you. The results don't matter. His presence is enough for you. And out of that, he said, God needs certain works to be done and calls them those who he will but he will sacrifice the work to save the worker. He's saying sometimes, because he's saying something's off. The work's not going where it needs to. And God is saying, God is sacrificing something in the work because he's looking at the worker. Something's getting off. At sometimes you're looking at what's wrong in the work and God's looking at the worker. And he'll use the work to get the attention of the worker. The man has his eyes on the work. The Lord has his eyes on the man. Your letter shows that you have the vision to only see the work, and that is somewhat mixed. You see God and you see your need, but you also see other things And these other things needing you, and they have captured your attention. The real vision is to see Jesus only, to see nothing else, and for Jesus to be enough. 
And just as long as there are things in your doings and our vision of Jesus, he cannot be so mighty. When he alone is seen, he takes care of all the things and the doings. When he alone is seen, he takes care of all the things and the doings. We try and fail until we are willing to give them up and we admit we cannot. Then we turn to him. My brother, we are absolutely useless without him. He ends with this. Oh, my brother John, I once looked for power. I wanted equipment. I sought usefulness. I saw gifts in the distance. Knew that dominion was somewhere in the future, but glory to God, one by one, these faded. And as they faded, there was a form and a figure that emerged from the shadow, which was, became clearer and more distinct as other things faded away. And when they passed, I saw only Jesus. See, if you want to emerge in you, you must emerge in Jesus. I wanted equipment. I wanted buildings. I wanted attendance. I wanted miracles. I wanted, there have been times in my ministry where the only thing I wanted was to make payroll. <laughs> you ever been there? I just want to pay everybody. When did Jesus not become enough? Enough for our soul, enough for us. And when we come to that place where being a son is enough, your first title was son. Before you were a pastor, before you were even named, before you were a leader, before someone named you a worship pastor or a children's pastor or a husband or a wife, your first title was son. Your first title was daughter. And you are a daughter and a son of the Most High God. And you know what your father wants from you? Just to hold you. For you to draw near and from that place, let him do in your work and ministry what he wants to do with it. For he will anoint your head with oil. He will equip you for service. And he will make you all you need to be. When he emerges, you will too. Amen. Let's worship the Lord tonight. We'll end with worship. Father, we love you so much.